Okay, well, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for your patience. We'll get going, and, and I know everybody's eager to enjoy the evening um, after a long day. Um, this is the uh, Invest in Greece International Investor Perspective Panel. In my view, uh, over the years doing this here, it's uh, the panel that is at the core of what this conference is about, because as we heard earlier from the, um, Mr. Yuriadis and, and the other speakers, um, what we all care about is international foreign investors coming to Greece, and we're very lucky here to have some of the um, top investors with us and hear their perspectives. Um, so with me in the panel, we have uh, uh, Dimitri Athanasopoulos, founder and managing director of Axia Ventures Group, the, the largest and uh, probably most successful independent investment bank in Greece, uh, and also um, Italy uh, and the U.S., um, Stelios Theodosiu uh, from HIG Capital, Alex Fotakidis from CVC Capital, both really uh, substantial investors across uh, various sectors, and we'll, we'll, we'll go into more detail about their perspectives and their experiences. And then we have Costas Papamadelos from RWE with a focus on the energy sector and renewables in particular, and Panos Xenocostas um, of Onyx Technologies with um, um, substantial investments in the shipyard sector in Greece. So we'll be touching um, across all of these themes, but I think it's very important to note that, you know, the breadth and diversity of these sectors and assets that this uh, panel has um, touched upon and invested over the last few years. I remember doing this a few years back, and pretty much all the panelists were doing non-performing loans and nothing else. So it's really, really great to, to, to see uh, proper growth investment um, coming into the country. And with that, I'll start with Dimitri from the advisory side and wanted to get your perspectives of where you see the current opportunities and, uh, and, 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 and the kind of observations for the next year. Thank you, Pano. Uh, thank you, Nico and Olga, for an excellent conference again. Um, as you can see, I think, from the panel, the, the very interesting thing in Greece right now is the complete change of the type of capital that is invested in the country. So, you know, we have strategics, we have private equity, we had uh, a few pension funds actually this year, and generally, you know, a lower cost of capital looking at the country with the perspective that basically Greece is not what it used to be. There's a lower risk and basically high, lower cost of capital, higher uh, and longer investment horizon, which I think is what the country needs. In the last decade, we had uh, a lot of investments that were very transitionary, they were necessary in order to process, you know, the distress and the problems that existed uh, in the country. But now I think we're putting the foundation for something that is more sustainable and uh, real, you know, for the future. Uh, as far as sectors, uh, obviously energy is a big point of interest this year. That's a global theme. But Greece um, has uh, a leading role now. Uh, there is a lot of things that are happening, not only on generation, on renewables, uh, on storaging and transition. Uh, I think potentially uh, this has the opportunity to become one of the main sectors, I would dare to say, as big as tourists potentially, since, you know, uh, the, the, the move away from Russia right now in Europe is something 
very significant that Greece can take a leading role and potentially build in the next decade. Uh, besides, besides energy, we see a lot of uh, movement in infrastructure. Um, there is a lot of things that the government is finalizing vis-a-vis -vis the privatization agenda. As well, you know, we have the shipyards, we have the ports, uh, we have the airports, uh, some other concessions. We had uh, the grid. Uh, so we're continuing to see fundamental investments that can create uh, the base for more to follow. And let me ask you, I mean, there is a lot of discussion um, about the upcoming elections. We obviously have a very positive trajectory despite the broader international economic environment. Do you see that the, 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 the upcoming elections posing a, a threat or a risk to the ongoing uh, investment theme? Um, listen, in, investors always, I think it was said again and again today, uh, they would like to have a stable outcome vis-a-vis -vis the political stability and continuity uh, that exists. I think irrespective of the outcome, we have moved away from the very, let's call it, volatile and high-risk times in Greece. Uh, that being said, you know, I, I believe that, you know, the current government has done tremendously good work. Uh, the, the polls look, I think, good, even if it's not from the first round. But uh, most probably we're going to have continuity. Okay, great. Um, switching to, to Alex and Stelio a little bit to, to, to hear their perspectives, and you both have um, invested across um, many sectors, but you know, kind of, you're now probably three, four years in, in into your um, investment in Greece. So, looking back at the time where you were deciding to enter the country and start taking advantage of the opportunities. And, and doing kind of a retrospective, uh, and I'll start with you, Alex. Uh, how, how would you evaluate that, that period and where you are now? Hi, Pano. Hi, everyone. Um, well, uh, I think uh, a lot has, has happened um, in the last six years since we started investing in Greece. We, back in 2016, I think, we took a view that probably we had reached um, uh, the trough and, and actually we were starting to see early uh, positive steps and we decided to, um, um, to, to invest in, in the healthcare sector that we know well. Um, we continued uh, investing in, in that sector through 2018, 2019. Um, and then at that point, I think we, you know, we, we started also thinking more long-term around the country and, uh, and, and we opened an office in 2020. Um, and then obviously we had COVID, which we clearly didn't predict. And then we had uh, the war, which we didn't predict. And we have hyperinflation and the energy crisis. And um, so it's interesting that uh, despite all of that volatility, in, I would say, almost the last uh, 36 months. Um, you know, we have invested now one and a half billion of equity across uh, five main sectors, healthcare, e-commerce, food and beverage, insurance, energy transition. And actually, 1.2 billion of that has been invested during that period of volatility. So from 2020 um, to uh, 2022. And I think one of the reasons why, despite that volatility, we have increased our exposure 
is that continued improvement that we've been seeing. And I think maybe you know, the previous government was walking in the right di direction. I think the current government has been running um, in, in the right direction and has been dealing with all the problems um, that, that it has faced uh, really well. And, uh, and I think that's one of the things also we've seen in, 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 in our companies, and it's been proven again in 2022. Um, you know, we, we're generally on track um, versus where we expected to be, which I think is remarkable given all the volatility. It shows the resilience um, that we now have. And maybe some of that resilience was even built during the crisis uh, before. And also it shows that there's a lot of AQ, I would say, in our companies. By AQ, I mean adaptability, I think. That's what I've seen in our management teams um, and uh, in our companies, the, the ability to adapt uh, to, that, to that volatile environment, whether it's hyperinflation or um, the energy crisis or even dealing with the, the way the consumer is reacting to all of this. And I'm, I'm really, really pleased sitting here today uh, in December, looking back actually at, um, at 2022, uh, how, how our companies, and I think generally the market um, has, uh, has, uh, has, has performed and, and actually, even though I expect 2023 to be difficult, actually we're setting up our companies to, to continue investing um, whether that's uh, add-ons, whether that's capex, and actually we want to take advantage of that. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to hear your perspective as well, Stelio, hopefully similar. Yeah, yeah. Got, but, but sorry, before we go to Stelio, I just want to make one remark that is really fantastic to see investors like CVC and others, we heard earlier, JP Morgan, who are not only investing in the country, but are setting up offices there, they're hiring people, investing in the um, intellect and, 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 and the Greek um, working force. So this is this is really something we should all be cheering. Um, Stelio, your, your perspective? On, yeah, good on evening everyone. I think I may, um, I may spoil your story a bit because I have to say, I have to make a confession. Um, for me at least, when I initially invested in Greece, um, we started our investment journey in the country in 2017, five years ago. Um, it was more of an opportunistic play. Um, back then we saw Greece as a contrarian play. Um, we just felt that, to the point that Alex made, I agree fully that we thought it was the right point in the cycle. And when somebody looked at, looking back at the corporate and asset valuations, even adjusting, for back then at least, the significant premium, risk premium, because of the sovereign risk of the country, one, without being too scientific, could see actually there was, uh, there was a, a discount that couldn't be justified. Um, and some of that had to do, quite frankly, because of the void um, of investment and capital coming to the country. So, um, so with that in mind, we decided to invest in three sectors. Uh, one is CRE, commercial real estate. Um, the second one was hospitality. Um, we have to remember Greece is a naturally beautiful country. You know, we have more than 1,600 kilometers of coastline, of which the vast majority is, um, is sandy beaches. And uh, as much as Erdogan might like to claim otherwise, we still have 200 inhabited islands in the beautiful Aegean Sea. Um, the problem was the infrastructure, the poor infrastructure of the country, but that has been changing. Um, and the third one was logistics, which uh, in a way we, we, you know, we invested in obviously you know, the, the um, Asian and um, EU trade route because the other strong, I think, part of, of Greece is the strong geopolitical position of the country. Um, and through that, we wanted to basically invest in the infrastructure of the country and bolster 
the country's positioning in the global logistical map and capture some of that uh, trade throughput. Um, we got lucky in the sense that as much of a tragedy as it was in the logistics uh, map, what happened was there was a re, uh, along with the energy map, we saw that basically the logistics map was also redefined. Um, and um, without boring the audience with a lot of technical details, there are three main uh, trade routes that connect Asia with the Europe. And one of them, um, the Euro, uh, the North Asian route has been obviously severely disrupted through the Black Sea. So what we have seen is we have seen an increase of throughput into the country and it would be a shame for us not to take advantage of that. No, not just as investors, but predominantly as, as Greeks and, and, and as people who like to see our home country sign when, when, when the rest of the, uh, you know, Europe really, really suffers. Um, I will agree 100% with my friend Nikos Lahopoulos that, you know, 2023 is going to be a challenging year. Um, but I honestly think, I think I've been an investor for almost two decades now, and I think it's the first time that I actually see my home country being on the right side of the spectrum in terms of, you know, where I see, not just in terms of GDP growth, but where I see the country, how they will be performing in 2023 compared to the rest of Europe. Some of that has to do with the catch-up effect, given the fact that Greece has, you know, for the past 10 years been following uh, a different cycle to the rest of Europe. But I also think that um, a lot of it has to do with the latest reforms uh, that especially the current administration has taken steps towards the right direction to insulate the country from exogenous shocks. Not that because they had a crystal ball, it's just because it was the right thing to do and we're now seeing uh, that this is playing out. I mean, it's, it's in, um, in turbulent times that you know, that separates the wheat from the chaff. So um, I'm happy actually that we've invested in the country, we'll continue to invest in the country. And I will make the, the last remark that even though we're a private equity fund and you know, we're not a VC investor, we feel so strongly about the country that we've actually set up you know, three different companies uh, from scratch. Uh, what was an idea on Napkin, obviously there was a, a huge capital base behind those companies and, and we decided to actually invest into, into um, creating new ventures into those sectors to actually support um, our, our investment thesis in the region. So um, what started as a contrarian play turned into a growth play, what started as an opportunistic play is now more of a strategic long-term play. And you know, we'll keep investing in the region and, and hopefully you know, we'll see it playing out. Oh, fantastic. And it, it speaks volumes about the re re resilience and prospects uh, both of, of, of um, the Greek economy. But talking about resilience, uh, when, I, when I saw the, the panelists that I would have here today, I was super happy to see uh, panelists' participation because ever since I was a child, I always remember reading in the news like story after story about failures of the shipyards and uh, strikes and uh, distress and administration procedures and, and, and uh, a very troubled sector. So, Pano, talk to us about Onyx and about your, your um, a journey into the investment first with Ciros and then with Elefsina and the, um, the, the, the steps you've been through um, in, in trying to bring that back to life, that, that fantastic sector. Okay. So, back uh, in 2018, uh, the three uh, biggest shipyards in Greece, representing the 95% more or less of the, of the sector, were actually closed and bankrupted. Uh, back then, uh, Neorion shipyards, when we were first involved in 2018, 
It was consisting uh, from 180 unpaid for um, uh, three to five years employees in the island, uh, 78 million uh, debts, fully scrappy, uh, the floated tanks were, were sinked, and actually no, nothing was uh, operating. Uh, in 2022, uh, in zero shipyards, uh, we have already serviced 350 ships up to Panama size. Imagine that from 2008-2018, the three bigger shipyards have had serviced in total for 10 years 100 ships, which is actually the average of what we do uh, during a year in Syros. We have already achieved uh, 100 plus million uh, euros from uh, international shipping as revenues, uh, already invested uh, 20 million for CapEx improvements, 10 million uh, paid to employees of Syros from previous uh, ownership, 5 million to the state, and uh, in January of 2023 we're going to have the official ceremony opening alongside with Cisco and uh, the region of North Aegean of the first maritime uh, center of international center for maritime innovations based Cirrus. In February we will open for the first time after 30 years in Greece in Cirrus in our shipyard alongside with the Ministry of Education the first school teaching new technicians because we are short in uh, in uh, in workers we have up to now up to 600 uh, people 500 based in Syros and 100 coming from other places because there is no one there to support our growth now in Elefsina a year uh, a month ago we achieved the deal between uh, uh, us uh, the state uh, the three bigger uh, banks the Hellenic Navy, the workers, 100% of the workers, uh, for the restructuring and acquisition of, uh, of LFC shipyards. This is, the situation there was even worse. We're talking about more or less half a billion debt, 600 unpaid employees, the same scrap, and they have not for years get involved in commercial activities in shipping. I mean. So we made that, uh, that deal, and uh, a week ago, the very first ship uh, from Mr. Papas, Starbuck, a very good friend and great customer of ours, uh, brought the very first ship. So we start doing business uh, again there. Uh, the plan for LFC shipyards is uh, to, to go with an average of 200 ships per year, up to Aframax, maybe Suez Max uh, size, and we're going to also focus in uh, supporting the energy transformation of, uh, of, uh, of Greece and the region uh, by, doing, uh, by, by getting involved in uh, offshore wind farms, uh, assembly manufacturing, and um, oil rings, whatever is needed to get done on, on uh, offshore. And of course, we have a very strong uh, in the CPR defense sector, uh, which through um, deals and agreements with Fingatieri and other uh, leading companies around the globe, uh, we will gain the time uh, that passed in order to, to have the needed know-how transfer to get involved in new buildings uh, sector. So closing, because a lot of people are asking, uh, what did you do? What, how did you change? What was wrong? Um, 
allow me to say that because shipping is international, actually, you know, when you start a business, you try to solve a problem, right? But for ship owners, they had, and they should, have choices. So actually, we have to solve, not to solve the industry, but the Greek shipyards problem. Uh, so the strategy was to give them a, an offer that they cannot refuse. So we create a family-friendly environment, nothing with strikes and all this kind of stuff, quality because the technicians were there. And uh, in order to achieve what is needed, meaning pricing, we couldn't go below countries like Turkey because Greece is not a low labor cost country. Uh, but we could focus on speed. So the name of the game was speed. We do things faster than uh, other shipyards. That's money for the ship owners, Greek ship owners. And I'm honored to say that they trust us. We are very honored about that. And we are very lucky we have the number one uh, shipping industry uh, running by Greeks. Well, this is fantastic. This is contribution in the real economy. And, and uh, I was I, I want to make sure the audience understands here something you told me explain who are you competing with like you have now two different shipyards um, you're, you're not competing uh, domestically in Greece but where you, you are trying to get volume yeah. and market share from where I think that's very look important. Um, because um, in the past they actually they never focused in uh, in what the business is so we're not competing against each other we're competing, it's the national market, so we're competing against other shipyards in other countries. Actually, what we do brings more business to other shipyards, smaller shipyards in Greece. It's like the banking system. When you say neighborhood, the neighborhood is full of banks. Why? Because they're attracting you know, the customers. So that's what we do. Uh, so what um, we are not, things that we've seen in the past in Greece, Karamagas against Alexina whatsoever, this is a joke. This will never happen. This is all working together uh, in order to bring this industry where it belongs, to the top. Fantastic. We all wish um, full success in this uh, en endeavor. And Costa, you will allow me, because in the theme of shipping and being number one maritime power in, in, in the world, we deserve to have a very strong uh, industry in, in, in the shipyard sector. But I want to do a small detour and go back to Dimitri and say, what would it take to also become a, a, a shipping center internationally from the capital markets perspective, which I know is the dream for many of us. We've been working at it and we've been trying it with um, the government, ethics, uh, advisors. What is missing? What do we need to do? Listen, this is uh, a little bit more difficult. Uh, the, um, the capital markets and shipping is not a very large industry globally speaking right, meaning uh, most of the shipping industry is funded by the banks and ship financing companies, which tend to be international. Uh, that being said, that being said, I think there's a lot of things that we can do. Uh, most of the ownership at this stage is based in Greece, so why not uh, create a much bigger ecosystem where you can have more uh, parallel services, industries, um, financing providers uh, that are based around, you know, uh, Piraeus or, or Athens, you know, similarly to New York and uh, overall finance. For that to happen, there has to be a very concentrated effort between um, the government, uh, the framework, the taxation, uh, 
there has to be definitely some incentives uh, in order to make people feel comfortable to establish uh, such center uh, in Greece. Now, as far as the, um, the stock market and uh, the bond issuance, you know, there, there was uh, a turn of uh, obviously issuing uh, Greek bonds. There was an actual uh, arbitrage, uh, I would say, you know, and it came from a good and a bad place as well. Uh, most of the shipping companies would uh, raise capital at very expensive terms here in New York at 10% uh, plus, and there was an opportunity to raise capital in, in Greece with uh, 3%. So obviously, uh, you know, shipping owners are very smart. They, they, they made a move and uh, they took advantage of it and it happened. But that can create uh, a base to build on. We have to create a market, again, that is bigger, it's more liquid, with more participants, and I'm sure then, uh, you know, more people will participate. Perfect. Um, Costa, thank you for your patience. Um, tell us a little bit about, um, we, we heard a lot about er, uh, Greece becoming an energy hub and, and renewables is a, is a key part of that strategy. Tell us a little bit about RWE and what you saw um, in terms of investing uh, in the sector in Greece. Nico and Olga, thank you for the invitation and thank everybody that is still here at this time of the day. Um, before I answer the question of uh, you know, why we invested in Greece, let me put it a bit in the context of RW's uh, kind of global investment in this space. So we are a, a leading renewables company and we are committed to, to invest up to 50 billion uh, by 2030 in traditional renewables like onshore wind, uh, photovoltaic, then less traditional like offshore wind, batteries, flexible power generation, hydrogen. Uh, more specifically, talking about uh, um, onshore wind and photovoltaic, by 2030 we will increase uh, our generation capacity from 7,000 megawatts to 20,000 megawatts, uh, and in offshore wind from 3,000 megawatts to, to uh, 8,000 megawatts, on which 1,000 uh, megawatts is going to be offshore floating, which is relevant also for Greece. So uh, in, as a company, uh, we, are, we have a presence in Greece since uh, 2021, and we are committed uh, to, to keep supporting the energy transition of the country. Um, how do we do that? The one is through two partnerships we have. Uh, one is uh, with uh, PPC Renewables, and one is with uh, Hellenic Energy. And the second is, in effect, through our experience and know-how, we bring as a leading uh, renewables company. More specifically, on the two uh, uh, partnership, uh, partnerships with PPC Renewables, uh, we are jointly, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a partnership on equal terms, developing, constructing, and operating a portfolio of up to 2,000 megawatts. And this is where this comes in the context of RWE increasing Globally, it's, it's uh, generating capacity from onshore wind and photovoltaic from 7,000 to 20,000. This means actually that Greece is for us the second largest solar PV pipeline in the world after the US. Wow. Um, the, the projects are in, um, in various stages of development, but in the next few weeks we'll actually commence construction of the first uh, projects to put some numbers behind in terms of capital to be invested. We're talking about over a billion euro uh, over the next uh, four or five years just for the uh, uh, solar PV projects. The second partnership, which is with, um, with Hellenic Energy, 
uh, we announced the cooperation uh, in July this year, and we announced it a few days before the Greek government announced its target of 2,000 megawatts uh, of offshore uh, wind to be installed by 2030. Um, again, this is a 50-50 joint venture, and uh, uh, we, we aim to, um, you know, to gain a substantial share of that 2,000 uh, megawatts by, by 2030. So why, why Greece versus other countries? That's the question. And I think Greece um, has a clear commitment towards phasing out its uh, thermal generation capacity, primarily I'm talking about the lignite, uh, over the next few years. This leaves a lot of room for, uh, uh, for, for investing into renewables. Uh, there has been underinvestment uh, over the past years, and so this allows, in effect, global uh, uh, renewables players to, to have a substantial pipeline. That's important. We need scale. That's number one. Uh, number two is, the, over the past few years, the permitting process at, for traditional renewables has improved uh, uh, significantly. Uh, so, you know, you actually start a process and you know uh, roughly what your timeline is. Uh, obviously, the country has a great uh, sun and wind conditions. Uh, and, uh, you know, there were also partners available for us uh, to, uh, you know, to be able to, uh, to facilitate our, our investment schedule. Yeah, Nikos Tothopoulos commented earlier that the enemy of good is great. What do you think um, are any changes that would need to take place in the framework governing renewable investment in Greece to further enhance sort of um, that sector? And, and good question. Uh, look, it feels a bit like talking about solar PV and, and onshore wind is uh, not anymore you know, a very hot topic. Uh, uh, the reality is the energy transition is going to be, uh, you know, an investment across various technologies. And in Greece, there is a framework in place that supports investments into traditional renewables. Uh, but there needs to be a framework for batteries. The framework that has been started for offshore wind needs to be actually implemented. It needs to be accelerated. If Greece wants to have even you know, one uh, offshore wind turbine by 2030, it needs to really keep to its timeline to, to get that framework uh, uh, in place. Uh, uh, so, and hydrogen, I mean, there is a question mark for me. What could the role of Greece be? Because there is really not a true demand. Uh, the, the really big volumes from hydrogen come from the industry, the kind of chemical industry and the um, and steel making that do not exist in Greece. But I think a framework even for creating a hydrogen economy in Greece, potentially for export reasons, is also required. Otherwise, uh, you know, the international energy players will not be able to invest. The reality is know-how is there, capital is there, we need a framework. Uh, okay, well, I'm sure that um, uh, uh, this government, as you heard earlier, is, is, is very focused on ensuring that the, the right framework is in place across, uh, across all sectors. So, um, another aspect that is you know, very important to, to, to create this um, cluster of, of investment activities, the financial um, banking system. And Alex, turning to you, how do you 
value today? How do you um, see the banking sector in Greece? And, and uh, is it able, after all the difficulties it's gone through, to support a CVC uh, in its implementation of its investment program? Um, the short answer is yes. Uh, and uh, to say that, actually, in, in, in all of our portfolio companies uh, where we have uh, financing, we've done it um, with, uh, with the local banks. Um, in some cases, existing relationships, but also in, in, in other cases, we've, we've, um, we've introduced the banks to the companies. Uh, and I have to say, they've been really good partners. Um, I think uh, we've been quite active in uh, pursuing M&A in our portfolio companies. So we've been acquiring hospitals, we've been acquiring businesses in the food and beverage space, even uh, our e-commerce business, Scrooge, uh, raised the line with Prayers Bank for, for a couple of small acquisitions. In all cases, when we've, um, when we've engaged with, uh, with the Greek banks, um, uh, we found them to be supportive. They're not as maybe as fast as the, uh, the international banks. Uh, the concept of having early monthly credit committees as opposed to say weekly credit committees or ad hoc um, is painful, but if you can plan ahead um, and work with them, actually, um, it's really productive. So we haven't actually needed to go outside of the Greek uh, financing market um, for some quite sizable investments. Um, and then interestingly, right now, uh, I think we do have a strong competitive advantage in Greece because um, the Greek banks are supporting Greek companies at, uh, I would say, uh, reasonable uh, rates. So, you know, Greek companies, single B uh, companies, so sub-investment grade companies, can still borrow at 6% cost of capital in Greece. Uh, Uribe will be maybe around 2.5%, uh, and then a margin, let's say, between 3 3.5%, reasonable fees. I can tell you the equivalent in Europe is probably 10 to 11%, percent i will just tell you what and probably here in the U.S., it's 11 to 12 percent. So actually, um, you know, the cost of capital is, is half. So we're, we're delighted because actually having built those relationships um, and now as we're continuing to grow, uh, we, st we see um, supportive uh, banking partners and uh, the liquidity is there. And if you look at um, one, of the, one of the data points we track carefully every month is actually uh, bank deposits, in particular the deposits in the four Greek systemic banks. When I moved to Athens in, in July 2020, I think there was around 160 billion across the four banks. Today we're approaching 200 billion, and it's a good healthy mix of around 70, 75% is uh, households and the rest is corporates. And in a way, I and mean, you heard it from the banking panel earlier, but you know, the banks actually have the, the capital um, to land and I've been getting a bit of negative press at the moment. Uh, I, I disagree with that in terms of, because uh, actually I found them to be, to be really good partners. And I am now encouraging them, and I'll finish uh, with this. Um, as our companies are getting large and we're, cons we're consolidating in, in Greece, and now we're looking at markets outside of Greece, uh, whether it's Cyprus or north of Greece, we're encouraging our Greek banks to follow um, we've been acquiring hospitals in Cyprus, for example, and uh, Eurobank um, has been helpful. There we're looking at, uh, um, at acquisitions in the Balkans. And again, our starting point is, is the Greek bank. So um, you know, we, we value the, the relationship. We want to have long-term win-win um, 
relationship with them and, uh, and we'll continue in that uh, spirit. If I may add a comment on this. Uh, yes, I was about to come to you. Also, ah, sorry, from, yeah. from, uh, but please go ahead because I wanted to hear your perspective also. The, of the, uh, the reality is the energy transition you know, is, is uh, investment heavy. Right? So if you want to add uh, 10,000 megawatt of renewables, you're talking about uh, you know, 10 billion uh, of, uh, of, uh, of, of capex. And the, the, the model under which you know, these investments happen has also changed. Now we're talking about PPAs. Our experience has been, despite the fact that the Greek market really had no experience with PPAs and the Greek banks did not, that they very quickly adapted uh, uh, to, to that requirement for the investments to happen from not only international players, also local players. So uh, it's not only, it's not only the, you know, the capital liquidity is there, it's also the willingness to very quickly you know, uh, uh, use, get used to, to, to other parts of, of, of the financing which are essential for us as investors to, to take a uh, final investment decision like the PPA. I will take some credit on that because my partner, Dimitri Asimakis, who's at the audience, has educated plenty of the banks about the PPA. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I agree with you fully. Uh, Stelio, coming to you, um, I want to touch a bit uh, um, as we're running out of time, but very quickly on the importance of the exit because uh, we're talking about investments, investments made. You guys have all deployed uh, great capital into Greece, but traditionally in the past we've had an, an, a number of instances where the exit outcome was not uh, what investors potentially envisioned, but luckily the last year we've seen some fantastic exits. Nikos mentioned um, PharmaTen. Um, we saw the um, in the hospitality sector the Sunny Ecos uh, platform and, and being sold to a sovereign wealth fund. How do you uh, evaluate the exit opportunities uh, in, in connection with your portfolio? Yeah, it's, it's a good question because um, we've also been bouncing thoughts internally in terms of you know, in private equity, and I'm sure Alex knows it even better than I do, you know, we ask ourselves two questions. So what do I need to believe in when I make a new investment? You know, how do I get from point A to point B in terms of value creation? But the second thing is, how do I monetize my investment, right? How do I exit? What's, what's the easiest path of monetization? What creates the most value on, on return investment? Um, I alluded to it earlier that, you know, we shifted from um, an opportunistic, you know, type of investment into something more strategic. So, you know, I'm very pleased to see that, you know, Greece is on the investment map. Um, we have received a lot of unsolicited bids on our assets, either on a, on a portfolio platform scale or in, in isolation, and sometimes at significant premiums to our own uh, internal marks. Like Alex, myself, you know, everybody who works on private equity fund, we have fiduciary duty to our investors to, to report on, 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 you know, the update in our investments, and that includes also quarterly marks. And it seems that we're underestimating the value of our own investments. Now, in our case, I think, you know, given the fact that we've taken a decision to take a strategic view on our investments, it's not about just maximizing, you know, the, the value in a certain asset or, or a set of subsidiary of a portfolio, but rather look at the whole ecosystem and see how we can actually maximize value for investment as a whole. And uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, the EcoSan example was actually a great example of that. Uh, how they manage to actually sell uh, a full uh, platform, an ecosystem that can actually continue growing. Um, because if you have something that is actually very constrained, whether it's a certain portfolio or an asset, there's that much value creation you can have. But if you create an ecosystem 
that is self-feeding, then obviously sky is the limit in terms of value creation. Uh, uh, so you said earlier, so within that context, we did exit. We had an investment that exited actually even earlier. Our usual investment horizon, typical for private equity fund, is between five and seven years. Um, we had an investment that exited half, half the period of that, less than half. Uh, but the most important thing was that the value creation in that company was multiple of what, uh, a very high multiple actually, of, of what the value of the company was before we, we got uh, involved. And I was happy that actually happened in a year where you know, we saw a, a, a plummeting of, of uh, European IPOs. We're talking about a drop of more than 90%. I think the figure was at least when when we took this thing to stock exchange, it was around 92% drop in European IPOs. And of all places, you know, you had a successful IPO um, uh, in Greece, um, which was, you know, by Greek standards, a sizable offering. Uh, and the fact that, you know, you, you're able to do that while facing significant headwinds leads to show that, you know, when you have a quality product, when you have a quality company, uh, and I fully agree with Alex around AQ and adaptability. I think, you know, the Greeks, I think we're born hustlers, right? Uh, sometimes in a positive sense, sometimes in a negative sense. But um, I tend to believe the companies that we invest in is in a positive sense. And that adaptability, I think, is what has been very well embraced by the investment universe. And but also, but more, um, you know, long-term capital. So, you know, uh, we're talking about being more strategic uh, with the best intention in the world, I will never be able to compete on the cost of capital or on the uh, investment horizon compared to a sovereign wealth fund. So the fact that we're seeing this type of capital flowing into the country at least to show that, you know, I think this type of investment, this type of capital is here to, to stay. I mean, it's great that we were able to attract different types of capital and, 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 and provide these opportunities. A couple of closing uh, points. Pano, five years from now we're sitting here Tell me what you envision the, 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 the shipyard investment to reflect at that point in time. Five years from now. Usually, uh, usually uh, you know, I avoid those kind of uh, projections because uh, businessmen have to talk through the, you know, what they have done and through the achievements. Um, since, uh, you know, we have started an investment in, uh, in zeros of 100 million and uh, LFCs is... Uh, half a billion, more or less. Two, half of them uh, will return to the state, to the workers, and the other half is infrastructure development. So all of this, more or less, stays in the country. So after five years, I see fully renovated shipyards uh, with technology, with uh, combined close to 4,000 people working. 60% uh, of that will be new jobs. Uh, I see also the relations between the two countries, United States and Greece, more tight because uh, in our financial scheme we have uh, DFC, the State uh, uh, Development uh, Fund of the United States involved. So I see fundamentally a lot of, uh, a lot of um, great ingredients in order to achieve to have uh, a leading uh, hub for... Um, shipping for uh, energy and defense for the region that will support uh, Greece's and United States and um, regional efforts uh, for uh, energy transformation and uh, logistic uh, safety. That's an image we would all like to see. Dimitri, closing statement. <laughs> so, listen, 
I think the, the creation of an ecosystem is paramount. When, uh, when we started No Wait, uh, all the international banks, investment banks were moving out of Greece. I think we're the only one uh, uh, standing. Right now, everybody's back to Greece. Uh, there were no private equity investors in Greece. Now we have a few. Uh, I've worked with all the gentlemen here on my right. Uh, in addition, you know, there is, as I said, sovereign funds, pension funds, um, lower cost of capital that is coming. And finally, we have an ecosystem for exits, uh, for transition. You know, uh, Stelios, for example, you know, got involved in very difficult situations very early on. It was absolutely necessary to have this type of capital to help the banks. So he worked with the banks during a difficult time. Uh, now the banks, you know, on a counter cyclical perspective, are much better capitalized than any other system in Europe. They have the ability to provide credit at a good rates, as uh, Alex said. I mean, one big problem all private equity firms have globally in this environment will be the cost of financing and meeting uh, the return uh, profile. Uh, having a lower cost of capital in Greece will, will help potentially to make, you know, to bring more money and uh, potentially make the, the IRRs uh, work. So I think five years from today, I hope we continue this uh, credible path as a country and as a sovereign without uh, a lot of noise, just hard work, you know, and more Greeks getting involved in the country. I mean, it's, uh, it's really great to see that all these international uh, firms are represented by Greeks. Uh, making a commitment that is obviously uh, based on the merit of the investment, but also, you know, on the passion to make the country better. Well, let's aim for that. All the ingredients are certainly there. Nicola, Olga, uh, Capital Link team, thank you very much. Thank you to the audience and to all of you. And uh, see you next year. Dear friends, thank you very much.